We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. Well, let me ask this question. Why is it the people we love the most we give our worst to? Because they're going to love us anyway, maybe? Yeah. But I love that, being intentional about, hey, who do you still need to make sure that we're really leaning into? Our moms. Yeah, absolutely. Why moms and dads. I think it's because we just assume that they'll always be there. Yeah, I think you're right. And that assumption, until it's too late, a lot of times we don't realize that. Take my daughters on dates once a week. That's on my weekly to-do list. So we do one-on-one times. My wife will take one and I'll take the other and then we flip-flop every week. There's, there's six and eight right now, but pretty soon, this is what everybody's told me in a blink of eye, they're going to be get married and not want anything to do with mom and dad or not ever be around and uh, I saw a stat before they're 18 they spend 90 I think it's 90 percent of the time that the kids have spent with you in their lifetime in your lifetime is spent in the first 18 years now my kids are eight and six and I'm not gonna have much time before they they either a and teenage years they probably don't want to spend time with dad it's with friends so I'm gonna spend as much time with them as I can yeah and then I'm gonna be intentional with those I love the best I can and if I don't put it in here it's not that I don't love them, it's that I just, I don't even, it's not my natural instinct to think about it. It's focus on what's the most important thing in my brain will go to probably work. So I need to be intentional with how I'm spending that and making sure that all of my buckets are, are being filled. Welcome everyone to this month's conversation. I'm with a human being that I know in a real short period of time, you're gonna end up loving him. He's an amazing gentleman who's had an amazing journey and huge impact with what he's doing today to help so many thousands of lives. I'm with Nick Oviden, and Nick, let's just kick it off. Tell us your story. Sure. Born and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So uh, I was here for about 25 years and then uh, moved up to Minneapolis and uh, moved back down here when a job presented itself. So I, I came down here for a friend of, of the family, invited me to come down and, and check out what they were doing, this great life concept. I ended up moving back down here. Married, two beautiful daughters, and able to be involved in a lot of different activities right now. So mm-hmm. it's been, been a How old are your daughters? They're six and eight right now. Oh, yeah. You just it. finished school, so they're in, in summer mode right now. You got activities. Lots of activities. Yeah. What were you doing in Minneapolis? Personal training and then was a part of leadership team there. So that's actually where my leadership journey started. That's where I usually say that's where it started because they did a really nice job of developing leaders and figuring out the reading of the books and in some of the different things that, that come with leadership, mm-hmm. the starting of, of leadership. So that's where that started. So Lifetime Fitness, big operation. Really big operation. Yeah. I love working out. When I travel, I try to go to a Lifetime Fitness. I think they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so you've been in the personal fitness industry your whole life. Yeah. Since it's, 2004. So I'm okay. going on 20 years right now. Wow. I, I actually remember fitness in, in general. November 1st, 1997 was the first day that I stepped foot into a gym and been four to six days a week since then. And it was a, such a big impact to me. I didn't realize how important it was until I just kept doing it and realized, wow, this is, makes a big impact on my mm-hmm. life. And it's important for me to be the, the, the strongest I can be for the rest of the people around me. So great life. Let's let's talk about great life just for a minute. Yeah. The concept of great life. What is great life? Tell us about it. So great life, we started as a golf and fitness company. So we had golf courses with some small, smaller fitness centers developed into a healthy way of life. So it's 
It's really about the holistic human being. So we've incorporated member benefits. We've partnered with different people from across the region to be able to provide services and, and uh, opportunities for people to get together. So our, our mission is to enrich the lives of families and individuals through golf, fitness, and healthy lifestyles. And I always tell people that really we're about positively impacting people. And our platform is golf courses, fitness center. We have a bowling alley. We have food and beverage places. So we have a lot of different unique ways to be able to impact people. Well, I know it's been a big impact in my own life. I'm a great life member. Love to hit the, hit the links. But then the, the little gym I work out in just is fantastic. And the people there are fantastic. Awesome. So how many employees? Uh, we're over 600 right now. Over 600 employees. Mm-hmm. And what's your role in the organization right now? So about four years ago, I transitioned into the role of the president. I was, mm-hmm. uh, for the first five, five, almost six years, I was the director of, of fitness. So I had the fitness side of things and did some marketing and things like that. And then our president stepped down. He actually took a uh, job in ministry and uh, this job opened up. So for the last four years, I've been in this role. Big responsibility. Yeah. 600 people, and that doesn't include the impact you have of thousands of members. Yeah, about 40,000 right now. 40,000 members. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, so that's why I'm sitting down with Nick. Obviously, you can tell by his pedigree and what he's doing right now. He's learned a lot about leadership and probably still learned. We we never quite figured out doing it. No, never. So, of Everything that you, you're doing now and looking at your past, so even all the way back to lifetime fitness and even growing up, you've been able to read about a lot of leaders. You've been able to observe a lot of different leaders. What are some key attributes you have found that are critical for great leaders? I think consistency has got to be among the top, the top of that for me, because I've had a lot of great coaches and leaders. I was an athlete growing up and the ones who are the most consistent and not afraid to tell you what you needed to hear versus what you wanted to hear. Sometimes I needed that that uh, pick me up, but they're always consistently there and helping me become a better version of myself. And that's that's been uh, one of the things that I've not always done a, gr- a great job at, but I've strived to become better and more consistent with every piece of my life. So, so let's, let me pull apart consistency a little yeah. more. So I love what you just said there because I, I I agree with you hundred percent. You said. You had coaches and leaders around you that told you what you needed to hear. Yeah. But they were always there. They're always there. So it's easy when somebody's already there to, because I'm guessing they said a lot of good things along the way. So when they told you things you didn't quite like, you take them from the person who's always there. Absolutely. So clear is kind. Clear is kind. I love that. Yeah. So I think as I hear consistency, what areas have you found that are hard for you to be consistent? We talked about this a little bit, but it kind of depends on the time of of the year. It depends on the time of life, the seasons. You know, I I always look at life as kind of like farming, where you have seasons of planting, you have seasons of cultivating, you have seasons of harvest. I always like to harvest. I think we we always like to be the ones that harvest all the time because that's where we see the fruit of our labors. And to make sure that we're consistent throughout and understanding what the roles of that season is, but not forgetting to work on cultivating what we need to. So like if I'm on fire about my faith at one point, I might forget about my family and I might struggle with that or with my, I get really focused on a project. So my number one strength and strengths finder is focus, which puts blinders on. I have to be very intentional with my days. Otherwise, one, I'm very focused on the one thing and I forget about the rest. So that's where consistency is important for me to be able to go back to it and say, how can I make sure that I'm setting myself up to be successfully consistent with the most important things in my life because I have a tendency to put my blinders on 
mm. and look at just the thing that is right in front of my face at that time. So yeah, that's brilliant because I got the same problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's another attribute? I would say integrity because I've been around people that have told me things and then I walk away and then I hear about them saying something else afterwards. And it, it really makes it hard to believe and buy into what they're doing. So having that, that integrity to know, hey, they're going to be doing what they say they're going to do and they're going to, they're going to follow through and follow up on the things that, that we've talked about. And we can keep things between us if it's something that I believe some of the best leaders and, and uh, mentors that I've had it's been really nice to be able to spend time with them and know, hey, what, what we talk about, we go through highs and lows together and whatever is talked about can really be stuck between us if we want to. So we can be honest and open and, and really grow from the goods and the bads and learn from them. Yeah. So integrity, as I listen to that, here's what I'm thinking. Not a chameleon. Yeah. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Day in, day out. Absolutely. But I would pull that yeah. back though. So we've talked about this a little bit from a chameleon standpoint. I think some of the best leaders have adapted their leadership mm. so they stay focused on my personal beliefs and values don't change, but I'm willing to change my leadership style to fit the people who I'm working with. So right now I have about eight different people that report directly to me and I, I can't lead any of them the same as the other one. I have to learn what their leadership style is, how they can learn the best, and how I can focus on them. So I get a little leery of saying, don't be a chameleon, be you, because mm -hmm. sometimes we can get caught in saying, this is my way, it's my way, the highway, versus saying, I'm willing to adapt my style to make sure that I can lead and grow and develop you the best that I possibly can. Yeah, so that's the third one, yeah. adaptability. Absolutely. I love how you transition that, because I think you're right. So integrity is really about, I'm not going to have a different set of belief systems. Right. I'm going to be strong there in my values. 100%. But I need to be adaptable. Yeah. If I'm going to lead people, I can't see everything through my own eyes. I got to be empathetic mm -hmm. and see things through other people's eyes. Absolutely. And, and adapt. That's why you're adaptable. I love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I mean, three big ones, right? Consistency, adaptability, and what's the other one? Integrity. Integrity. I got a short memory. All right. Awesome. Okay. So, three great ones. So, let's transition here and who are some key leaders in your life growing up I, I didn't realize how much of an impact my dad has had on me but it was a, it was a couple years ago that i i stepped in and we brought in this uh, teammates program it's a mentoring program for kids and we brought that in and really talked about mentors in your life and how important they have been and it made me reflect back and say how like who are some of those people in my life and it's been coaches but really the one that kept sticking out with being consistent and always there and not judging is my dad and he's been the one that in college, when I was maybe going down the wrong path or even struggling, I was at one point where I wasn't starting or playing very much. And I called him afterwards and I was after a game and I was pretty, pretty frustrated. And he just talked me off a ledge and goes, well, why don't you just go, go ask the coach what you got to do to play more? It's like, what do you mean go ask the coach? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go ask the coach. I'm in college. What are you talking about? I'll just work harder. Two days later, I go talk to the coach and say, coach, what do I got to do to get more playing time? He goes, oh, I thought you were injured. Like, oh, no, I'm not. He goes, you're 100%? Yep. All right. So the next game, I was in all these different packages and stuff. And just like that, I'm like, it takes one intervention. I was literally on the verge of quitting and didn't realize that all it took was it was a miscommunication. My coach thought I was injured. And my dad intervened at the right spot and said, did you ask him? Level-headed. Didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. Like, oh, man, you're... You should really be playing. It's well, did you talk to him? Yeah. So what you, you got to do. So what'd you learn there? 
What did you teach you there? He taught me to make sure I go communicate and ask, and it, it, it never hurts to, to be able to address some of those things. Mm-hmm. And I've taken that with me. I said, it, I, I called my dad about, it was about a year ago, and I said, Dad, you have no idea, you probably don't remember this conversation. I told him that, and I said, that intervention changed the trajectory of my life, because if I would have quit, I would have quit. I would, probably would have left school at that point and then gone on whatever path that would have been because I would have run. The tendency is to run. I'm embarrassed I quit, so I'm going to go somewhere else and do something different. And it really put me back into a straight and narrow. And Let me stay right there for yeah. a second because I think what your dad taught you is something we can all learn from. He taught you to communicate, mm-hmm. speak up, and confrontational tolerance. You didn't want to go talk to your coach. Not at all. Because it would have been confrontation. Right. And I think great leaders, what your dad taught you in that moment is we have to be willing to tolerate confrontation because where there is no friction, there is no traction. Absolutely. So I got to tell one more story here. I love it. Okay. So I know your dad and I'm going to go back to your first attribute of consistency. I played in the hundred holes of golf one year. (laughs) And your dad plays every year, right? Yeah. Does he still play it? Well, this year he's, he's got an asterisk next to his name, but yes, he does. But this 100 holes of golf, most of us like go as fast as we can and we're, you know, throwing balls now. He plays every hole, all 100 holes, lines up his shots and is just consistent the whole time. I'm like going, this guy's amazing. <laughs> so you learned consistency probably. They didn't only show up in the 100 holes of golf. He did in right. other areas of his life. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Who's another one? I had a leader in when I was up in Minneapolis. He actually taught me the art of time management. So it was the, probably the first month that I was there. It was 100% commission based. So if I wasn't working, if I wasn't working with a client, I wasn't getting paid. So the temptation for me was, well, I'm friends with everyone. So if somebody asked me to go play racquetball, well, he made me put my schedule out there and actually schedule every hour because my first week I didn't have a single client. I was married. I was supposed to be bringing in the bringing in home the bacon, and I had no bacon. <laughs> so he's like, "All right, put down your schedule. Here's what it is." So we worked through it, and he he followed up, and he just kept an eye on what I was doing. And one of my buddies, sure enough, goes, "Hey, let's go play racquetball." I'm like I have nothing to do. I'll get the other stuff done at this time. So I go grab my racquetball stuff. Happened to walk by his office. Terrible idea, but he poked, he poked his head out. He said, "Hey." I didn't see racquetball on your schedule today. And I said, well, I got plenty of time to get the other stuff done. And he just goes, is that going to get you to where you want to be? Is playing racquetball right now going to get you to where you want to be? And that little statement made me turn around, walk over, put my stuff down. And I went and started getting leads and, and talking to people. He told me to be be the mayor of the, of the club, meet everybody. It's not about sales. It's about helping and inspiring and empowering people and impacting as many people as possible. And from that moment on, I was like, all right, I got it. I get it. It makes sense. It really turned me at that point too. It was a month in and I wasn't making the bacon that I needed to make. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a pivotal moment for him to step in. I love stories like that because it's those things that those people that step in and show us something. He, so he taught you time management, but even bigger, I think, as I listened to you tell that story, he taught you how to develop relationships Yeah, and develop relationships by being available, mm-hmm. by being interested versus interesting. Good point. Which is what you said he, I mean, the mayor of the club, right? right. That's what we, you know, politicians have gotten real good at. Right. The good ones anyway, they right. make us feel so important, right? But that's, but it's a, that's a good skill set as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So who else? Uh, Tom Walsh has got to be up there. He's, uh, you don't talk about a passionate person about going out there and, and being a positive impact for people. 
he's been instrumental of what we're doing at Great Life and changing, using our platform to, to impact others. So leading with passion, making decisions that are w- truly win-wins on both sides and being able to be part of some of those leadership conversations, the hard ones, some of the really fun ones, but also some of the really hard ones on understanding that conflict that you talked about. Some of that friction is not bad. Friction is, if used right, can be a really vital resource for us. Mm-hmm. So he's been instrumental in some of that stuff that that uh, I've been able to do. When he recruited me and said, I'm, I'm going to come back, the actual words for this great life thing were, well, you're going to come back and run the personal trainers. So I had a business plan of how I was going to run the personal training out of great life when I came back from the cities. And it all had to do with growing more trainers and commissions and yada, yada, yada. And first 20 minutes that I was there, introduces me to everybody, and then takes me on a tour of all these different facilities that were under construction. So I go down to the our downtown location, and he introduces me to the foreman of the job, the job site. I'm like, cool, I don't even know what a foreman is. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about construction. And he goes, all right, this is Nick. Uh, Nick, this is, uh, I think it was Lance at the time. He goes, any questions that you have, you can direct to him. And he points at me, and I'm what? So he looked at me and goes, what are the electrical requirements needed for all the equipment that you have. And fortunately enough, I was smart enough at that time to say, I don't know right now, but I'll get you an answer tomorrow. So I went home and I stayed up all night trying to figure out, okay, what was ordered? What are the electrical requirements? I don't know what 120 volt means. I'm just throwing out words that I didn't know at that time, but he really gave me the confidence to be able to go in there and just own it and learn on the fly and then be a uh, somebody to encourage you. Yeah, so again, a number of great lessons right there. Tom taught you how to delegate yeah, because he did it to you. Right. He taught you, he, he empowered you. I believe in you. Yeah. And what you did wonderful is, I don't know, but I'll find out. Right. Leaders don't have to know all the answers, but they need to be able to say, I don't know, I need help, and then go get the answers. Yeah. Right? Okay, next question is, you know, I get to talk with a lot of leaders, and I always find that they, even if they don't think they have a routine, they have a routine. So I'm curious about what your routine looks like. I have a very strict routine, so it's it's kind of a, a strange Kind of strange thing, but I uh, I was not intentional for the first several years of my life with how I spent my time. Living up in Minneapolis, my wife was in law school. We went through a time where we were together, but we really didn't even talk. So at one point, we were deciding if it was worth being married or not. And at that point, I started to become more intentional with my routine, how I would spend my time understanding who I was with my core values, developed a personal mission statement of positively impacting people daily, started developing my routine and my day around those habits and those things that would actually fill me because if I'm missing something of part of my my core in my daily habits and my daily routine, I'm ultimately at some point, I'm going to be very unhappy or somebody's going to be very unhappy with me. And at that point, my wife was not real happy with me, rightfully so. So my day starts at 4.37 in the morning, buzzes on my my watch. If I sleep in, it's till 4.40. Uh, I get up, let the dogs out. I read my Bible every morning. It's a perfect way to start the day and, and set my mind. I put the dogs away and then I go work out. So I work out for about an hour every morning. Start my days at 7 a.m. with with either clients, meetings. Sometimes Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go bring my daughters. I bring my daughters to school. I help get them ready, and then go about my day of work. I have depends on the week, but I have different routines throughout the day to make sure that I have all of my core values in there. And then I also have my in, in my work day. I have all four of my core values for my for great life in there as well to make sure I have it all color coded in my 
Outlook calendar to make sure that I'm, I'm spread evenly with my colors. And then at the end of the day, I will play with my daughters every day when I pick them up. It's asking them what was the most fun thing they did for the day and what was the most kind thing they did for the day. And then at night we, we read and once I put the girls to bed, I go sit down and start doing my journaling and reflections and reading. Wow. Intentional. Yeah. Jeff Max said, good intentions won't get it done, but intentional living will. And you're being so intentional. Not He didn't say he gets up at 440. He says 4, 437 alarm yeah. goes off. I love that. Okay, so you and I were talking before and you had this planner that you have sitting in front of you. Will you walk us through it a bit? So it's, well, four years ago when it, when I moved in the position that I was at in 2019, it was important for me to realize that I the higher you go up and the more leadership roles you have, the less people that you're reporting to, really it's the more personal responsibility that you have. And I said, my intention and my, my natural inclination is to to maybe slack off once in a while. So I have to make sure that I'm being the best for myself so I can be the best for other people. So I need to make sure that I'm intentionally growing. I had met with several people that year on journaling. So I'm like, I don't know what this journaling thing's about. Is it a diary thing? How do I, like, dear diary, I don't know, I don't get it. So I'm like, I can commit to doing three things in a, every single day. And once with the journaling, I can write something that I can write down what I've read that day. So I'm staying intentional with that. And I can write down if I reached out to somebody and made a personal connection with them. So we have a thing called a one a day. So everybody at Great Life, their their main job every single day is to make sure that before they, they clock out, they've met one new person that they've never met before. And they have a quality interaction with them because right now people aren't having quality interactions. Mm-hmm. And that was before the pandemic. And right now it's even more important because less and less interactions, more automated kiosks, things like that, that's automated life. And I'm like, but you can't automate a, a relationship. Mm-hmm. So how do we take that and say, a lot of places are going to automation. We're putting our money in people. And we're going to teach them how to be more intentional and how to have better conversations and interactions because you never know what that's going to lead to. And then the third one was making sure that I, I journaled so I actually got to write down some of the stuff. So I committed to three things initially in 2019. And then from there, it became a little bit more robust. Uh, every year, every time that I got good at doing something else, I would add to it or I would reflect and make sure that the things that I had in there still made sense in that that time of life. So first things that I write every single day are my what I read in the Bible that morning and then what I read for my my daily reading, which I always do something in leadership or uh, you know mental toughness, whatever I'm going through at that point. I write down what I read that day and then I write down the most fun thing that I did, the kind thing that I did for the day and then three wins for the day. And then I reflect at the end of the week and three big wins for the week so I can just take all of my small wins and say, okay, which ones are the biggest? This is, this is fun. This is how these wins are looking. It really helps me to reflect back and make sure that I'm being grateful and reflecting on the things that I, I can, I'm really viewing as important to myself. But I have a whole checklist of things that are daily things that I'm supposed to do and then weekly things. And we talked a little bit, but my mom doesn't live in town, so I can get busy with my days like all of us can. It's 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm like, holy cow, I don't even know what, where the day went. And then pretty soon I don't know where the month went. And I realized maybe I haven't talked to those ones that I love the most in a while. And that's, to me, family is one of my my core values. And I need to be more intentional about it. So I actually have that written down of calling specific people in my family every single week. Because it's not that I don't want to call them. It's that I can get lost in my day. And before I know it, it's a month and I haven't talked to them. So Mm -hmm. my mom actually made a comment to me the other day. She goes, you are the most consistent 
person that I have that actually reaches out and calls. And I, I go, it's because it's on my it's on my weekly task list to call you at least once. And it's not because I because I have to, it's because I really want to, but I need to make sure that I'm intentional with it because my natural thing is to go, 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 and not actually take a step back and realize I haven't talked to my mom in three weeks. And that, to me, is not okay. Well, let me ask this question. Why is it the people we love the most we give our worst to? Don't you find that? Because they're going to love us anyway, maybe? Yeah. But I love that, being intentional about, hey, who do you still need to make sure that we're really leaning into? Our moms. Yeah. Absolutely. Why Moms is that? and dads. I think it's because we just assume that they'll always be there. Yeah. And that assumption, until it's too late, a lot of times we don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And I've had too many. I take my daughters on dates once a week. That's on my weekly to-do list. So we do one-on-one times. Mm-hmm. My wife will take one and I'll take the other and then we flip-flop every week. I love it. They're six and eight right now, but pretty soon, this is what everybody's told me, in a blink of eye, they're going to be getting married and not want anything to do with mom and dad or not ever be around. And, and uh, I saw a stat that they, um, before they're 18, they spend 90, I think it's 90% of the time that the kids have spent with you in their lifetime, in your lifetime is spent in the first 18 years. And I'm like, my kids are eight and six and I'm not going to have much time before they, they either a in teenage years, they're probably going to want to spend time with dad. It's with friends. So I'm going to spend as much time with them as I can. And then I'm going to be intentional with those I love the best I can. And if I don't put it in here, it's not that I don't love them. It's not my natural instinct to think about it. It's focus on what's the most important thing in my brain will go to probably work. So I need to be intentional with how I'm spending that and making sure that all of my buckets are are being filled. All right, I got a a question for you, Nick, here. I'm looking at your wrist. Put your wrist up there and you have a small tire around your wrist with all these (laughs) these bracelets. Yeah. Talk talk to me about them. What what do they they represent? Well, I, I got them. I started accumulating them on accident at one point. They represent each one's a different person and a different different uh, relationship that I have. It happens so frequently now, it's kind of crazy. But just the other day, I had a guy stop me and goes, what's that ru- red rubber band mean? And it was uh, John Maxwell's Law of the Rubber Band band. Mm-hmm. So I was able to have a conversation about what that means, the Law of the Rubber Band. And I took it off and I gave it to him. And he kind of looked at me goofy and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm starting a church down in my neighborhood and here's here's what my church's name is. And so he he came over and he, and he gave that to me. So exchange bands. And it's become a thing where probably once a week, I either have kids in the K through two room that I, that I teach that will come and tell me about their band and then we'll switch bands or somebody will come random, randomly give me one. And I tell them, I would love to, I would love to support you in whatever way I can, even if it's a small tire on my wrist. So these <laughs> things, these things it. stay on here all the time, love but it. they're ever changing and ever evolving because they open up a door of being able to have quality conversation that you probably, that I, I wouldn't otherwise have. Especially with that gentleman the other day, I'm like, I wouldn't otherwise have that conversation and gotten to know a little bit of his backstory. So it kind of goes back to, not kind of, it does. It goes back to one a day. Mm-hmm. It's a system that you kind of created on accident for a one a day quality conversation. Yeah, they're great. It's been, I, lo- I love it. It's been really fun. I mean, it gets, it gets in the way once in a while, but I tell you what, getting in the it. way is something that has actually been better because it makes me more intentional with it and makes it. me feel it, understand it, and know it. It's been, uh, it's, it's been kind of a fun way to, to interact with people. Yeah, and now look, I'm talking about it. Yeah. You just talked about it with all it's these perfect. people. <laughs> perfect. I love it. All right, so last question. There's a lot of people listening to this right now, and they either don't see themselves as leaders or they want to be better leaders. 
Where would you recommend they start? I view everybody as a leader. So if, you, if you're viewing yourself as maybe not a leader, everyone's leading somebody at some point. And whether it's your kids, whether it's other people at, at work, even if you feel like the low man on the, on the totem pole, you're leading somebody. To me, the most important thing is to make sure that you're uh, figuring out a, the best way to, to start to develop. So taking the first step of finding a mentor that you look up to and you say, what does that person do that I look up to and say, I wish I was that person. And a lot of times we can do that and say, well, it's, I, I don't have anybody in my life that I can reach out to to be a mentor. Usually what I do is say, well, who's somebody you read about? John Maxwell comes up a lot, John Gordon, some of these guys, Patrick Lencioni, like those guys are amazing guys. And I'm like, why do you look up to them? Well, they do this, this, and this. Like, what characteristic do they have? They have this. Okay, let's figure out a way to pick that characteristic out and say, how am I going to get better at that? And being intentional with just that one characteristic. It's taking a step today to make sure you can take another step tomorrow and another step the next day. Once you start taking those steps, it's a snowball effect. If it just gets easier as you do it and you're, there's no finish line, it's always a journey. So I'm sitting here at a leadership thing, podcast and I'm going, I'm not sure. I don't know why you asked me to do this, but it's, uh, I, I'm very humbled to be able to be asked to, to do some of the things that I am, but it's, it's a never ending journey that there's always stuff to learn. The beautiful thing about life and people is that people are ever evolving and changing. So I get really excited about how do we become better leaders for the next generation so that we could put them in a spot that they can take the, the, the hand off and go to the next level and go to the next level. It's a fun journey. People are fun. All right. So you had mentioned earlier, and we're going to close with this, your mission. Would you state that again? Yeah, to positively impact people daily. So you did that today. Well, for thank sitting you. down like this, what you just taught us. And, and ladies and gentlemen, take what you heard from Nick. Listen to this again. Just the three attributes of consistency, integrity, and adaptability. Just some of the, the one-a-days. There's so many nuggets here that'll make us better human beings. And I would contend we're not human doings. We're human beings. Yeah. And how do we get better each and every day at being a better human being? So, Nick, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com. 